Steve Bigu, come up. This is my good friend Steve. He's blessed with the name Steve, which is a good name. <laughs> and he's going to bring uh, oh, God's word to us this morning. We've not been hearing it already. Um, let's pray together. Uh, Lord, thank you for Steve. Thank you for all that you've put in him. Lord, we receive him as your servant, as a man of God, who you regularly use to bless people uh, left, right, and center, bringing your word with clarity and power. Lord, thank you for all that anointing that is on him. But Lord, we pray it would increase. Lord, we pray that you'd bless him. You'd bless Tammy as well uh, and their children. Lord, uh, we long to see um, more of you Mm. as we're gathered together this morning. And Lord, would you catch us all up more into your presence and your purposes, but especially for Steve this morning, we pray this blessing in your name. Amen. Amen. Testing. Testing. One, two, three. Am I on? Can you hear me in the cheap seats? Excellent. Fantastic. Good stuff. I am Steve Bigu. This is my wonderful wife, Tammy, who will give a wave. And we have three daughters you would have seen around, uh, Molly, Rachel, and Ruth, who um, in that last bit, as you were sharing, is it Danny? Or? Yeah. As you, she woke up at that point. Um, she was asleep for the rest of the service. But when you spoke, there was some anointing there. So I think maybe she's got some kind of creative gift in there that was being sparked up, I reckon, as you were sharing. That's fantastic. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 20. Two, please. Genesis chapter 22. I know exactly what um, Simon and Gainer mean when they said when they first came here, they felt at home. Um, I feel that here as I come here today. I kind of feel at home with you. We, um, with my mum, we used to drive up the A34 from Bicester when the church was in its infancy here. And we used to come week by week when I was about 13, 14 years old up to that cinema where Simon and Gainer were we're talking about. And there is something about when you feel at home, you feel a freedom. And so forgive me if I feel a bit free (laughs) as I'm talking to you um, and say all sorts of slightly crazy stuff. Please forgive me for that in advance. So we're going to be reading from Genesis chapter 22. And the title we have for today is Responding to What Father Says. Responding to what Father says to us. Here we have an incredible example of a man who responded to God. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, and we'll read down to 19. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac, three of them there. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw that place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. 
we will worship. And then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar, on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants. And they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. What a story! That is, what an incredible story of a man responding in faith to his heavenly father, to Father God. Let me ask you a question. How many of you find it easy to respond when God speaks? Sometimes it's okay when it's straightforward and simple, but at other times... It's a complete nightmare, isn't it? Isn't it? Anyone ever heard God say anything to them and you think, no. <laughs> this is an incredible story of a man who heard clearly what God said and he said, here I am, here I am. Can we click to the next slide? 
Father God gives us his instructions. And this is an incredible act of his grace, that he would deem to speak to us and communicate with us with his instruction. There'll be three God's and an I to help you remember these things. This is the first one, God's instruction. And somehow, God gives us the ability and will give us the ability to respond to his instructions. That, that hymn that we sang earlier, that uh, about on not our lives built on shifting sand, has it go? On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is shifting sand. Do you know what? I've never sung that ever before in a meeting. And I don't even know I've ever heard of it or read the words of it. But this last week, I was sat there with a hymn book. And I felt in my devotional quiet time to just read through the hymn book and the incredible words of hymns from the past. And I sat there reading this one during this last week and thinking, I wish I knew the tune to that. (laughs) (laughs) And here I come, and I'm wanting to talk about Matthew 7, where this whole passage is. I feel like God is really serious about this, because the Bible says, if you're going to build your life on solid rock, it's not just building on Jesus. Just build my life on Jesus. I was saved once, now I'm building my life on Jesus. No, what Jesus says is, if you're going to build your life on solid rock, you've got to do what I tell you. Don't just hear my words, it's those that put them into... Thank you. That's what building your life on solid rock is all about. That's what whoever wrote that hymn, however many decades ago, knew. That's what you've seen. As people have come up here and we've been praying for them, whether you're new or whether you've been here for years, you've got some incredible models of people who have said, you know what, whatever God says, I'm going to bet on Jesus. I'm going to build my life on solid rock by hearing what God says and responding to it, responding to what Heavenly Father says. We can be so stupid, though, can't we? Um, A couple of weeks back, I was driving up the A34, a familiar road to me, and um, I was in a bit of a hurry, let's say. My daughter, Rachel, goes to Stepping Stones, which is this uh, preschool, very good preschool down in um, Whitney. You're going to have a good preschool here soon, aren't you? Yeah, God's spoken to you about that. Anyway, she was at that preschool, and I was a bit late picking her up. Now, um, I do know the speed limit... It's about 70, isn't it, I think, yeah, on the dual carriageway. But I was just kind of pushing the boundaries on what I knew by just pushing my foot down a bit harder on the accelerator so I could speed along 80-something, probably, um, just to kind of get there a bit quicker. I had um, learnt to drive in the past. I'd, I'd read the manual, the, the highway code, and learnt about stopping distances. Can any of you remember any stopping distances now? No. Some of you can, Okay. <laughs> and I kind of forgot about it because I was in a hurry rushing around, getting on with my life um, hurrying to pick up my daughter and picking up and um, as I overtook this particular lorry um, I saw some lights behind me <laughs> they weren't blue and flashing thankfully but it was rather strange those front lights, they were kind of flashing alternately like this, on the front of this car and um, I realised unmarked police car oh dear, let's pull into the slower lane shall I and um, this car drove alongside me and mirrored the speed that I was doing while I was doing the normal, safe 70 speed in the other lane. And um, seeing as he was just there and hovering, I thought, well, I should probably look over, shouldn't I? 
And this rather stern-looking face looked at me and went... And so I, I took um, just one hand off the steering wheel and went... Crumbs, did I stick to the speed limit the rest of that journey. What a shock. Wow, I really learnt my lesson there. A couple of weeks later, my wife um, just mentioned something to me before I'm heading out. Again, rushing, I've got to get to a meeting at the King's School. Great school. You'll have a school like that here one day as well. Um, anyway, I'm rushing to the, that school. And um, my wife had told me just before, oh, just remember that the speed camera is, is turned around in the other direction, Steve, because I think she knows sometimes I'm, I'm in a hurry. I might just speed along a little bit. Um, I said, oh, okay, yeah, right, and carried on with stuff. Uh, sped to the to the um, particular meeting, came back home again, carried on with my life. About a week later, Tammy got a letter saying, um, I'm afraid the car that you own, Tammy Bigu, has been caught for speeding. And Tammy sits there and looks at the date, looks at the time, says, Steve, I think this letter is about you, isn't it? The same day that I'd reminded you about... Uh, yeah. Stupid. Like a man looking at his face in the mirror, going away and forgetting what he looks like. God's instructions. God's reminders from the paraclete that he puts alongside us. The Holy Spirit. Husbands, your wife was sometimes like the Holy Spirit to you. <laughs> Brought alongside you to remind you of stuff that you need to be reminded of. Sometimes we're so stupid and we stop remembering the instructions that we've known, the things that God's spoken to us about, and we carry on rushing around with our lives. Lord, help us all to build our lives on solid rock, listening to what you're saying and obeying you in every way. I'd had a warning. For some of you here, there's some things that you are struggling with to obey and some warnings have come across your path. I I pray you don't. I pray you do hear the warning and you respond quickly so you don't get into deeper trouble. I had to pay 60 quid. Three points on my license. It wasn't worth it, was it? If only I'd listened to the instructions, been obedient to what God was telling me about. Does anyone else here need any help with this kind of area in their life? Please, let me <laughs> discover I'm speaking to the right people. I obviously am. Praise God. Can we click to the next slide, please? But what I find is this, though, with sometimes the things that God says to me. I don't know if this is heretical to say this or not, but um, I think God's illogical. We have God's instructions that we want to hear, we know we need to get a hold of, and we need to obey. We've got to take them seriously. The speed limit is there for a reason. We've got to take what he says seriously in his word, by the promptings of his spirit. But sometimes what he says seems illogical to me, the, the speed thing, that makes sense, doesn't it, actually? Because if you're in a 30-mile-an-hour zone, you shouldn't have been doing 36. But sometimes what God says is completely crazy. Sometimes his maths just doesn't add up. I mean, take tithing, for example. I mean, that's silly. They used to tell me when I was a teenager, teach about tithing, say 90% always goes further than the 100%. Have you ever heard that one? The 90% goes... What a load of nonsense, isn't it? Isn't that crazy? It's completely illogical. You wouldn't teach your kids that in a maths lesson. But what have I gone and found? Anyone else found the same? It's true. 
It's crazy, but it's true. So many other things that God seems to say that seem completely illogical. Abraham here. I mean, God has given him this precious son through a miracle. What does God say? We need to go and sacrifice him. Completely illogical. And yet because Abraham knows his heavenly father, and he's, he's covenanted himself to this father, this covenant of circumcision has been given, he says, he's, he's placed his money on Jesus, isn't he? Completely. And he's saying, here I am. To, to the Lord and what he says, I'm going to do it. Okay, God, you say it. Illogical, crazy. But it says something, if you can click to the next um, thing for me. It says something very interesting in Genesis 22.5 where he says to his servants there, verse 5, he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will come back and worship. Well, we will worship and then we will come back to you. What's he saying? He thinks he's going to come back with Isaac. He's done a bit of this reasoning stuff. God gives us a brain, and we need to use it. This is a gift from God. We are supposed to reason and think things through. And somehow Abraham's used his reasoning, and he's worked out maybe God could even bring Isaac back from the dead. Because in Hebrews 11, verse 17 to 19, it says that. It says that Abraham reasoned that God could bring Isaac back from the dead. He used his brain, he used his thinking powers, he used what God had done in the past, and he was thinking about it, and thinking, okay, God's telling me to do something completely daft, illogical, the, the opposite from what it seems. He said to me, he's going to give me sons and children through Isaac, and yet I've got to kill it. So he's working out somehow in his brain, yet this must work out somehow. Maybe I'll kill him, and then God will raise him back to life again. It's quite a prophetic thought, wasn't it, from Abraham at that moment? But that wasn't the detail of actually what God was going to do. Can you click on again? Reasoning is okay. It says this in, in Isaiah. Come, let's reason together. God welcomes us, not just as servants down here somewhere, but as friends. Communicate with me, says our wonderful Heavenly Father. Children with his with their dad. But if you're a parent here, have you ever had to say to your children, can't really explain all the details to you, you just need to do this? Just because I say so? (laughs) Is that sometimes like that with us and God on occasions? Let's reason together, let's talk things through, but sometimes we're never going to get all the details sorted out in our brains. We just need to say, okay, here I am, I'm going to do what you're asking of me. God spoke to me very clearly when I was 18, something that seemed completely contradictory to everything that I was wanting to do. He said, I want you to consider to be single, Steve. And I'd always had thoughts about getting married and having kids and all of that. And God spoke very clearly to me at a YWAM camp in a tent, which is a really muddy floor. And he told it to me in several ways and it was like no this is completely contradictory to all that I thought you were saying to me God I don't get it I don't understand but I settled the issue on my knees in tears in the mud remember it very clearly saying whatever you want Lord okay it's not okay but okay and I really had settled it completely contradictory and then several years later within 
two weeks, three separate people came to me. It's probably about six years later now. They came to me and said, I think you should be praying for a wife. I think you should be praying for a wife. Third person comes. I just feel God saying to you, you should be praying for a wife. Completely contradictory to everything I just settled myself to. Really, obviously, graciously. (laughs) But I had settled myself to it. I said, then I had... You're contradicting what you said before. I don't get it. I don't understand. Looking back on it, I do understand that somehow God was dealing with some things inside my heart that helped me get my focus right for a whole chunk of time. But then, actually, I want you to do this now, Steve. Okay, here I am. Your servant. Frustrating. Seemingly illogical. I couldn't get all the details sorted out in my head at every point. But it's one of those times when you trust your father and what he's saying to you. Just... Because I'm saying this to you, Steve. You know I love you. Respond to what I'm saying in obedience. Illogical, but ultimately wonderful. Click to the next bit there. I think it's really important for us not to assume that we're going to know all the details. Do any of you, like me, are a bit of a control freak and you like to know all the details before something's going to happen? I hate surprises, like surprise birthday things. Tammy will tell you that. I, she's tried to organise a surprise. I just don't want a surprise. I want to know what's happening. Anyone like that? <laughs> With God, don't assume you, you're going to know all the details or that you need to know all the details or you could cope with all the details. But you do know that you can trust him. That's the key thing. If God's speaking to you about well, I said about tithing, didn't I? For some of you here, that's a challenge. It's contradictory. Actually, we don't have any money. And you're challenging me about giving generously. If that's you, I dare you. <laughs> you won't regret it. God's challenging you about moving house, moving job. If there's a relationship that you need to leave behind... Or if there's a relationship you need to persevere with. You know, God's been nudging you. God's been speaking to you. Respond humbly with your reason and your reasoning. Humbly reason with God. But do what he's telling you to do. Obey him. God helps us in our reasoning to choose to go on the journey. Abraham reasoned a bit humbly and it helped him go on that journey. As you're praying with your friends and your pastor and Christians here, they will help you reason together, but at some point you're going to have to choose and say, I'm choosing to obey you, God, on this one. And today is the day that God is inviting you to make that choice. For some of you, you've reasoned enough. It's time to stop doing all the reasoning. You're not going to get any more details about it. It's time to say, okay, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to respond to you. Same throughout scripture. Noah, crazy, build a boat. Okay, God. Joshua, march around that seven times today. Okay, God, crazy, daft. Rahab, let these spies come in. It's prostitute. Okay, right. She does it in faith. How's she ever going to get rescued when this army come in and there's a chaos with this army? 
And yet somehow she responds as a prostitute in that situation. And she is rescued out of it. Time and time and time again, you can list scripture after scripture, story after story of people who have discovered there's a Father God who's got great plans. And as you respond to him in faith, you see incredible things happen and develop. Um, I was in India with um, David Freeman this last, in, during August. The great David Freeman little Steve Bigu here, the great educationalist who started schools and speaks to governments and there's little old me in the car in the back, excited about what's going on Um, and God throws this little thought into my head as we're in this car with this pastor from the city of Vishakapatnam and it's, ask the pastor there if he's got somebody called Kumar in his church so I sit there for a minute thinking Nah. <laughs> I'm trying to look a bit kind of clever and smart and knowledgeable and cool. and I want to kind of hit it off well with this pastor. And if I ask that question and the answer's no, I'm going to look stupid. If I ask that question and he says yes, because this is Hindu and there's loads of people called Kumar, <laughs> I'm going to look stupid. But as God does, he nags away with these little thoughts. So there I am, sat in the back of the car. So I say to, to the pastor, um, do you have anybody called Kumar in your church? <laughs> and he says, nope. <laughs> yeah, okay. And he said, oh, hang on a minute. No, no, we don't, no. <laughs> he said, well, maybe there was once, but I, I, no, I don't think so. We go to his church. Um, I go to his church on the following Sunday. And um, I've still got this, this thought in my far in the back of my mind and they have a hostel there where they've kind of got these five kids from a village that's completely impoverished and they they teach these kids English they teach them skills and they've got like a house parent and stuff and um I I go in there and these these five kids are there and they're introduced to me and um one of these little little boys there he said oh and the, the the dad the kind of father of this hostel says oh I'd like to introduce you to somebody guess his name Kumar and God gives me this word immediately for him as I'm, I'm speaking to him. And I, I give him this pen and I say that God, God wants you to, to write stuff down so you can communicate things to all the, your people and relatives and uh, back in the, the village where you're from. And God's going to help you do that. And the guy's translating it for him so he can understand. And they tell me afterwards that this little guy, Kumar, he really struggles with speaking the language. He can't speak, but he can write. <laughs> and I felt to give him this pen and to speak to him. I'm so glad that I wanted to respond to that crazy little thought that makes you think, I'm going to look stupid here. If I kill my son and God's given me all these promises, I'm going to look really stupid. It's worth giving up your pride and looking a bit daft, isn't it? Does anyone else here feel like, actually, so what? I'm going to look a bit silly for God. Do you know what? We all need a little bit of that in us. If you're saying it, Lord... I want to do it. And responding in those silly small ways actually really helps you when you need to respond in some of those larger, more challenging ways. Can we just take a moment just to pray? Because I I believe that there's some things that you've forgotten about that God will sort of remind you of in this moment. And there's some things, as I've been talking already, you're feeling like, yes, I know what God is saying And we just need to just take a moment now just to seal something before I continue. So 
just invite you just to pray in the silence in these next couple of minutes and say, here I am, Lord, in what he's saying to you. Uh, Steve just asked me to share an example, really, of being um, illogical, uh, how God had been. And um, growing up, I really struggled at school. I was dyslexic, although in the days when I was at school, it wasn't really diagnosed. Um, uh, And ended up, I really felt God call me to be a nurse. Um, And I remember people, uh, my sister was a nurse at the time. And people had said to me, you should do a degree, because at that time you could do a degree or diploma, and it really, um, they were saying degrees is where it's going. And for me, that was completely illogical. My parents were told at countless um, parents' evenings that uh, I was really, yeah, I was lovely. I had a lovely smile. (laughs) And that, that, you know, I should go into something vocational, work in a little shop, and that'll be fine. Um, but my parents, being Christians, believed that God had better plans for me. And they weren't going to lie down, really, and say, no, they weren't going to accept it. And they said, no, we're going to push. We want you to achieve what God wants you to achieve. So with all these things of people saying, go and do a degree, um, my parents said to me, go for it. And I said, it's illogical. How can God be saying, do a degree, when you struggle completely to even write essays? Um, and this is, you know, this is raising the bar here for those of you who've been. Um, but actually God did it and, and I, I went and I got <laughs> my degree and I didn't get a bad degree actually. <laughs> um, and, you know, God, God was, God honoured that, the fact that, yes, it sounded from what we knew about me, we knew everything. It, it sound, didn't sound as though God was speaking, but when you respond, it's what God's saying and, the hilarious story is, as my mum was told one parent's evening, you know, lovely smile, she said, a smile won't get her a job. I got my first job as a nurse, and I said to them, why did I get the job? And they said, you smiled so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, God even had a sense of humour in that one. It's true for somebody here, isn't it? I want time to share that. Partly because I, I just feel there's some here, and you've had words spoken over you of real negativity. 
and that's something that's stopping you from responding to God. You're, you're feeling like, but this is a logical God, but I'm like this, but I'm like that. And God's saying, well, you've been told that, but did that come from me? And today, God wants to break the hold of those words over your life so that you can do the seemingly illogical thing in your own mind, in your own reasoning. Don't base it on those words that people have spoken over you, but God is saying something different over your life. Something of fruitfulness and life and mission that you've never believed you could possibly be involved in. But today, you can say, yes, here I am, Lord. I'm going to believe you what you're saying. Click on for me. Next thing. So we've had God's instructions that we're to take seriously, not ignore. We thought about the struggles of responding to that. We've seen that God's illogical sometimes and today we have God's invitation. Father God's invitation to respond to him. The church here, I am really excited about the whole missional community stuff. Do you know what? God is speaking to you as a church about this. There are, there are personal responses that are required to see the vision of this fully fulfilled. And some of you today, you need to re- respond to God's invitation that there is in that with the missional communities. Verse 17 of Genesis 22 says this about you. It's talking about you here. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants, that's you, will take possession of the cities. (laughs) The cities of their enemies. Oxford, the land of intelligentsia and academia. Full of people who are foolish for Christ. God has made, like, foolishness the wisdom of the wise, somebody read out earlier. (laughs) Do you know what? You're going to have an incredible... Impact as you respond in obedience to what God is saying to you. There's some personal response required of us. And some of us are saying, but how are you going to provide for that, God? How are you going to provide for that? Verse 14. Having experienced, because of his obedience... What God had provided, Abraham says, this place will be called, the Lord will provide. So if you're in that place and you're saying there aren't enough resources, step out in obedience anyway, and you will be able to look back to that place, and you'll be able to tell that story, and call that story Jehovah Jireh. Call that story, the Lord will provide. I believe that for you who are here. What's he said to you? What's he saying to you? It's his invitation to you. Click on for me, Chris. Um, I've got my own version of the Bible. It's called the Steve Beagie version. And uh, this is the Steve Beagie version of that particular verse. I just kind of put it in the positive because I believe God wants to stir you with, with this today. It's possible to please God, you know, through faith. This isn't like heavy, oh, I must obey God. He's your father who loves you and he's going to help you. He's going to pour his grace and his provision into your life so that you can please him. 
That Hebrews 11 passage is full of stories of people of faith who as they've relied on God, they've seen God do amazing, incredible, wonderful things. It's possible for you to please God through your faith, which is beyond reasoning. We were worshipping and praying before the meeting and Chris prayed out this. Here you are. Here you are. And he was caught and we prayed at this sense of God is here. God is here. You know what the right response is to understanding that here you are, Father? Here you are, God? Wow, the right response is here I am. That's what Abraham says. That's what Samuel says. That's what people in Scripture say when they want to serve the Lord. It's the response of a servant. Here you are, God, therefore here I am. Here's this wave that's coming in, and therefore there's me on my little surfboard. Did you get that prophetic word? Wow. There's God, his almighty power, and there's me saying, yes, Lord, here I am. God wants to speak some specific things now. Um, Tammy's going to bring some specific prophetic words. And this might be something that you need to... Some of you are sat there thinking, I don't know what God is saying, and just in these next moments... God's going to open something up for you, I believe. So you'll see what your bit is on that surfboard. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've actually got a couple of specifics and then a a few that aren't. um, But... I'll go with my specifics that I felt God saying, um, and just because I can see you right. There's a guy, you're about three rows from back in a kind of burgundy jumper. <laughs> yes, it's you. <laughs> oh, what was your name? Sorry? Peter, thank you. Sorry. Time delay over here. Um, I just, I had, um, as I was driving along the other day, I was driving down the A34 at 70 miles an hour. <laughs> Some of us stick to the speed limit. <laughs> We've always joked that actually that day will happen because it's my name it's registered in. <laughs> and it's like, whose is it? Who's laying claim? But as I was driving down, um, I don't think you've noticed, and I don't think I've really noticed, but there are lots of lorries that st- stick in the laybys with their doors open. And part of it is, one, because they're empty loads, and... One, they don't want people to know they're an empty load. They don't want them to try and break in and steal. But also, they do it if they're going across the channel. You see them approaching uh, if they're stuck just before Folkestone because they don't want illegal immigrants climbing in um, to it. And I, I just felt, you know, you look at that and you think, it's just hassle. You know, you've got to open your door to do it, to take the effort. He's got to get out of his cab, get them to do it. But actually, so... It, it's logical, it makes sense. And for you, I just feel there's something to do with um, a job, I think it is, God is saying, that actually seems to be a little bit of a hassle, but it just makes sense. It will just make sense to you. When it comes to it, God will, you'll know it, and God will say, this just makes sense to do it, even though there is, there will involve you know, having to get out and do something rather than being able just for it, a door to open. You'll have to take, take kind of responsibility. Uh, the next one is, 
apologise, they're all over this side. Not that I couldn't see you, but... <laughs> There's a lady right at the back, your third row, um, right at the back in... I can't see what colour you're wearing. Yes, yes. <laughs> what was your name? Aniki. Hello. Um, I felt for you, where we live in Bicester, we have a gliding school. Uh, that runs. So we have loads of gliders that go over our back garden. And in the summer in particular, they're just an everyday occurrence. We forget about it because we're used to them and they come very low over us, our garden. But when we've been sat out in the garden with other people, they look up and go, wow, the amazement of it, of like, wow, there's something there. And I, you know, I think the last time I was sat with someone I, and they were like, oh, wow, and they're so low. And I'm like, yeah, that's what happens. You know, we have them very regularly. And there's something for you that God is saying. You just need to, it's there, it's always been there, but actually you've just kind of taken your focus off a little bit. And God's saying, lift your eyes and appreciate what is around you. Don't, don't just kind of think, you know, go blindly on, but actually appreciate what's there, what you've got before you try and strive for the next thing and the next thing, God's saying, actually, just appreciate it, what I've put in front of you. Um, I, I felt for you it was, it was a relationship. There's a relationship, perhaps, that you, you need to appreciate that, the person that's, that's there and not kind of strive for something else. And just some general ones I want to throw out, and if this... Meet you know where you're at. Please come and see me afterwards. But I had a dream of a car breaking down. Um, it was actually our car, <laughs> but I don't think it was prophetic for us. But it was. It, it kept breaking down, and it was. It, we were driving it and thinking we could keep using it and keep it going. But actually, then one day it just went, and I felt God saying it's time actually to leave. You know, it was time to leave the car, abandon it, not in the road, but just abandon it. You know cut your losses and get something else. And God's saying, there's someone, it's a time to put things behind you um, and not to try and bring it back into your life. It's so easy for us to bring stuff that we, we kind of try and hold on to things. But actually, there's something specific that you're trying to hold on and God's saying, no, leave it behind, something new, start anew again. Uh, Just another one of the passage um, from Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And that was a passage uh, of what God said to the Israelites as they approached and to Moses as they approached the Red Sea. So you've just got to stand. Um, And I just feel there are a few people here that just feel that all, all God is asking, he's not asking you to do Lots of things, you know, it's all illogical. But actually all God's asking you to do is just stand, to wait on him, be still, and he will do it. As in the Red Sea, he parted it, he will do it. So don't try and push. Yeah, and just one final one of... uh, There seems to be a theme of cars... (laughs) I think it was as I was driving to a meeting, I just gave God some time. And um, I noticed between our house 
We live in Vista, and we have Tesco, we're Tesco town. But between our house and Tesco, which isn't that far, there are seven sets of traffic lights. Um, and I think I noticed it because I was caught at every, all seven of them as I'm trying to get somewhere. Um, and I just feel, you know, you feel there's a slight inconvenience when you're getting somewhere and each traffic light goes red and you have to stop. And I feel there's someone here that God is saying that actually you're feeling like your life is a little bit stop-start at the moment, but God is saying, I'm stopping you. It's not the inconvenience, I'm making those things stop because I want you to reflect. Each stop, I want you to reflect on what's happened before, before you move on to what's going to happen in the future. So each time, you need to stop and not try and rev your engine to get those traffic lights or flash your lights, which is what Steve does, try and make the lights change. (laughs) God's not saying that. Don't, Don't try and make things happen. You've got to be patient and wait. And I'll turn it to green when it's time. So if any of those do come and catch me. Are you hearing me again? No? Yeah? Okay, cool. There's an invitation today to trust in Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Will you click again for me, um, Chris? I encourage you today to respond to... Jesus. So many parallels, aren't there, in that story that we've read about Abraham and Jesus Christ. I encourage you to bet on Jesus today. To carry on in your faith journey, reasoning, yes, but not letting that reasoning stop you because you can't see all the details. I wonder if Jesus could see all the details. Or did he have to trust and rely on his heavenly father like you and I have to? Yeah? Jesus was prepared to go to that sacrificial death. He carried the wood, didn't he? Trust in this Jesus. When Abraham was about to slay his son, the voice came from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. When Jesus was dying, he didn't get a voice from heaven. He called out, Eloi, Eloi. My God, my God. He was prepared to be the sacrifice for us. Trust in this God who provides the lamb. Who is God will provide. Trust in the one who will fulfill his promises to you, even though it seems completely illogical. And his blessing will flow through you to nations. As it says in this passage here. We bless you, Lord. Help us to respond to all that you're saying to us today. Amen.